Blog Talk Radio. of Sports Tonight. Uh, Sports Tonight is brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women Police and Fire Services. When you're out there, please take the time to let everybody know that you know they're there. 
also please uh, wear a mask. Um, we're not over this COVID thing yet, and we don't want to lose any any of our faithful listeners. As uh, CEO and uh, Chief Operating Officer of uh, Fighting Words News Network, uh, our announcement uh, tonight is uh, we want to send our deepest sympathies to the 10 people, the family of the 10 people that were killed uh, in uh, Colorado uh, the other day, and to the families of the four law enforcement officers that were uh, struck down uh, in this last month here in the Tampa Bay area. For that reason, we'll pause for one minute. Okay. Well, Roy, um, it's lovely to have you. Oh, the great one has uh, – I, I want to announce that the great one has arrived with Elvis uh, you know, oh. in the same limo. With his cape, right? With his cape. With his cape. <laughs> just, just waiting to learn something over the next hour and a half from you wow. very intelligent sports enthusiasts. We're learning from you, brother. <laughs> yeah, we're all still learning from you, Don. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we got a great right. show coming up tonight. Looking to your bulletin board, so I'll tell you one yep. thing: we could be more ready to go with different sports that we're going to be tonight. That's right. You're right about that's right. Uh, Roy, uh, the uh, Lightning's having a, a terrific uh, season. Uh, can you uh, expound on that? Yeah, you know, uh, it is a perfect example of the old adage that the uh, cream rises to the top. Um, no matter what brand uh, it is, uh, the best are usually going to get to the top, and that's what's happened with the Lightning. It took them some time, um, but they are there, and uh, seemingly, well, not I wouldn't say in command, but uh, playing some pretty good hockey, despite the fact they're still missing some players. Uh, you know, they're still missing uh, Nikita Kucherov, for example. Um, they've had to lean a lot on some young players that they didn't expect to have to lean on this year uh, because of injuries uh, throughout the lineup. Um, but uh, they have uh, found a way uh, to, to keep uh, – uh, to maintain their uh, their momentum from last year's uh, Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, they are clearly the uh, best team in, in what's a little bit tougher division, I think, in the Central than um, a lot of people thought. Uh, initially, you know, you look at the Central Division when the beginning of the year, and you thought, okay, Tampa's going to be good. Dallas probably be pretty good, if, uh, despite their injuries. Uh, Bishop, Sagan, and uh, a couple of the others that were missing time, and boy, they've been beat up more than the Lightning have uh, in Dallas. But um, you know, and you thought, okay, Columbus might give them a good game. But you know what, Carol? I don't know that everybody thought Carolina would be as good as they are. Uh, certainly, didn't think Florida would be that good. Uh, Detroit has played some pretty good hockey here and there, not often enough, obviously, but uh, they've given everybody a tough game in that division at one point or another. So, um, you know, I think the Lightning have been tested fairly well. The the one thing, I think the one drawback that we've seen uh, with the divisions the way they are and the inability to play outside of the division or the decision not to play outside of the divisions this year, I I think it it, it kind of, it doesn't really give you a good opportunity to, to learn much about how good the teams really are at the top. 
um, you know, how good is Toronto really playing against um, basically teams that are mediocre in the in in, in Canada? Um, I'm not sure that there's a really an elite team, uh, you know, outside of Toronto, and I'm not even sure Toronto's elite. I really think the only elite division is really the uh, the Eastern Division, where you've got Boston and Washington and the Islanders and Rangers and and Flyers. And uh, boy, it looks like the Flyers are having a tough run. But you know, we'll, we'll find out how good these teams are when they get to the playoffs. But right now, yeah, the Lightning uh, have found a way to, to win consistently despite their uh, some of the losses they've had personnel-wise. And it just makes you think if they get Kucherov back for the for the playoffs, uh, there's nothing to think that they can't uh, go all the way yet again. Well, you were talking about the Flyers, and Roger uh, seems to me that the last time we did this show, we could go tonight. Uh, you were reporting on the Flyers going down nine nothing. So uh, he, Roy is exactly right. They have really struggled, and especially in areas you wouldn't have thought would have jumped up. Well, you're exactly right, uh, Don, and and uh, Roy, you're right. Uh, it's an El Boldo. I mean, that's all I can say. And uh, you know, listening to uh, the coach, and uh, he really uh, has been trying everything uh, to get things ironed out. And, but the leadership has not stepped up to uh, really turn things around and take charge and say, hey, listen, guys, this is ridiculous. Because at the beginning of the season, we were saying how deep they were. And now we're talking about how they're not playing up to their capability. So, you know, hopefully uh, for all Flyers fans, they will turn it around because I think they have the talent. But Carter Hart has not performed anywhere near uh, X two expectations. No, he and Roy, as you and mentioned, the top three uh, in in the uh, in the East. You talk about the Islanders and Washington. Well, you actually go four deep down as far as as Boston and then Philadelphia. But uh, I think they have it a little bit easier the the Lightning because even though there's only a what two and a half game spread between one and three. Um, it should be very interesting to see how the second half of the season unfolds. Yeah, I think it will be uh, for everybody. And and uh, you know, let's say, let's hey, let's talk about the the the, uh, the Flyers a little bit because um, you're right. I, I think you look at it and immediately you say, okay, Carter Hart hasn't been, you know, the backstop that they thought he would be. They haven't gotten that, but you know, he hasn't got a lot of help either. Um, this is a team that has. Uh, I think it's ranked 30th. I mean, he's got a 74% penalty kill. That's not good. Um, no. They're giving up uh, way too many goals each game, uh, four and a half, I think, goals a game now. Um, the defense around Carter Hart has been ordinary at best. You know, they're clearly looking for a defenseman in Philadelphia. The, the big question, though, I think, because, look, I, I think the offense is okay. Um, it's not as dynamic this year as I thought it would be. I thought there would be a little bit more punch. Um, but I, I think right now they're, everybody's a little bit, you know, kind of lost trying to figure out, you know, how do we keep the puck out of our own net? Uh, and they're trying to play responsibly, and, and that's costing them some, some goals as well. But um, the biggest issue is, is the back end. And, and, look, you've got, you know, you've got talent there, but it just goes to show you, I mean, one day uh, Gustav Bear is, is on your top pairing with Provorov, and the next day he's, he's not playing at all. And right. that, that just shows you how, how lost that group is. And um, they're really hurting from the loss of Niskanen, and uh, they've got to replace that guy. You hear a lot now about, 
a possible move with um, possibly with uh, a trade with uh, Nashville for Ellis or Ekholm perhaps. Um, those are big ticket players that um, certainly would help. But the, I think the big question is the Flyers have to decide is, you know, are they good enough to go deep into the playoffs this year? Can one defenseman make that much of a difference for them? If they feel it is or will, I think they'll, they'll pull the trigger and make the move. Um, if they feel like, hey, we thought we were a little bit further ahead than we are, we're not there yet, uh, maybe they wait until after the expansion draft and uh, around the draft to, uh, to get that defenseman and start thinking about next year instead of this year. Um, the one thing I don't think you want to see them do is, is rent a player, uh, which is why they, they might start looking at somebody like uh, Ellis instead of Ekholm. So we'll see what happens. But clearly they're looking for defense help. Um, there is help out there. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I won't be surprised at all if they, if they make a big move here at some point that surprises people. Um, but you know what? In order to get something, you got to get something. And as you pointed out, Don, I'm not sure the depth is as good as they thought it was. Uh, some of the players have kind of possibly played their way out of being a, a trade piece, and that's hurt, that's good. that could hurt them as well. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it, it's a team that's probably played a little bit below expectations, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Roy, and uh, it will be interesting. There is a lot of speculation uh, about, as you were saying, about uh, getting a uh, defenseman, and that's exactly what they need. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to uh, wait and see and uh, see uh, what they uh, decide to do. I, I'm with you, though, with the expansion draft coming up. You've got to be very careful about uh, some of the moves that you make. Yeah, you do. And, uh, look, as we said a year ago and as we're saying now, I like the Flyers team. Um, I like their coach a lot. I think he's, he's as good as you're going to get. Uh, I like the talent on the team. You've got some elite-level players there, um, so, and a lot of those guys can still play at a high level. Um, they might just not be there yet, and uh, if that's the case, fine. You know, it, it doesn't all happen overnight, And um, but I think they can get there. So, again, it's, it's really a question of, you know, do they decide to try to get there this year? And, and, and you know, one way to look at it is, if you get your player for the future now, uh, you set yourself up and you find out, okay, let's go through the playoffs, see how good we are, let's see if we can get to the playoffs. And if we can, see how far we can go after making a big move for a defenseman. And then find out, okay, are there other pieces we need? Because they're going to probably have to give up something to get that player. Um, so we'll see where it goes. But uh, truly an interesting dynamic in Philadelphia, one of the more interesting uh, teams as, as the NHL gets towards its uh, trade deadline. Oh, absolutely. Roy, contrasted management, uh, you talked about, and we have talked about for such a long period of time, the way the Lightning built their, uh, their championship team and the way it's going to continue to be a championship team. And then we talked this year, or last year this time, about what the Bucks were going to do because they're spending all their money with the idea in mind. It was a one-shot deal, and they came out on top winning the Super Bowl, and now they put even more eggs in one basket. So all those older players are going to have to go back and do it again. So it's all a matter of how management decides that. Do you want to wait for the draft? Do you want to trade for free agents? Do you want to build from the bottom? It really takes some great management to make the right moves. Yeah, it really does. And you are seeing two different uh, approaches, obviously. Uh, you know, the Lightning obviously building from within, uh, develop a real strong uh, 
uh, minor league system, kind of like what the Rays did in getting to the World Series, you know, building through the farm system, uh, developing right. a, a good core of players who uh, play your style all the way through their minor league, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, apprenticeships. And uh, when they get to the big leagues, you know, they know the system is the same and, and it's easy to, you know, bring guys in and, you know, they, they indoctrinate themselves very easily into the into the scheme and, uh, it's an easier transition to the league for uh, for these guys. Then you've got the Bucks, who, you know, they, they they did draft. You know, it turns out they drafted rather well at, at some places. But uh, in the NFL, it's it's really about uh, you know it's quicker in the it's easier in the NFL to turn things around quickly um, if you right. get the right players. And they did it through free agency. And um, obviously, you do have to get the right players. But you know what? When you get a, when you get players like Indomik and Sue. Um, Jason Pierre, Paul, Tom, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Leonard Fournette. You, you know what? You're going to probably be pretty good. And when you pair those with uh, some decent draft picks, uh, guys like Ali Marpet, Ronald Jones, um, you know some of the young secondary uh, defensive backs that the Bucks uh, have picked up, you're more than likely going to end up uh, with a pretty good football team. And so, yeah, there are two approaches. Um, it depends on how you want to go about it. Um, you know, we've seen uh, teams in all sports uh, go the free agency route and succeed. And we've seen teams in uh, in all sports go the, the build it uh, from within route and succeed as well. Uh, both of them work, um, but uh, you do have to get the chemistry right. That, that, at the end of the day, the, the players you draft have to work out for you, and even the, the free agents have to work out, and you've got to get the chemistry right. Rodney. Hey, Roy, I see that last Roy. week you were talking about uh, signing uh, Nadominic Sue, and I see uh, that they were able to redo his contract and also uh, uh, Donovan Smith. So that should make the that line uh, a, a hell of a lot harder than it's been in, in years. Huh? Yeah, look, it's happened. It's all coming together just the way the, the Bucks hoped it would, the way I think a lot of people predicted. Well, certainly the way they wanted it to happen. Uh, they wanted mm-hmm. to keep players in order for that to happen. Uh, they need a couple of guys to restructure contracts. Uh, Donovan Smith has done that. Tom Brady's done that. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if you find out that Mike Evans did it, has already done it. Um, and they needed guys to want to come back. Most of them do. Um, but I think at the same time, I think they, they expected players like Adama Kinsu to take a look around, see what's out there, um, establish his market price, and then come back to the Bucks and say, okay, can you match it? Can you come close? And, and I think that's what happened with Adama Kinsu. I'm sure he looked around, and uh, you know saw you know got a, got a better gauge on what his price was out in the, out on the marketplace. Went back to the Bucks, and they said, "Yeah, you know we want you, and and now we can make it happen because you know we've we've done these other deals. You know Tom Brady's going to take less money and uh, and everything else. And again, it's all about you know keeping the band together, and they're doing a great job of it. Um, once again, uh, I, I don't think anybody would have predicted a year ago that a year from now, a year later. Uh, the Bucks would be the premier team in the NFC, if not the NFL, and that everybody would be signing up to to stay a part of this thing going forward uh, for the next couple of years. But that's what they've got. And right now, uh, you have to think that if, you know if things continue to to go the Bucks' way, and they certainly have this off season. I mean, I think they've won the off season to be honest with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and all simply by signing their own players. You got to say that they're right. the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year, going into the season. Absolutely. Now, right. well, I, meanwhile, I, in Philadelphia, I don't think they've uh, signed anybody yet, have they? Oh, well, they yeah. got 
Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco. and they signed the safety. Today, yesterday okay. they signed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, but, they're going to need the backup quarterback more than likely. I mean, Jalen Hurts oh, uh, like Jalen Hurts, but you're going to need yeah, him at some point more than likely. Money. They gave him yeah. way too much money, you know, and because of mm-hmm. that, they lose a fifth round draft pick now. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you know. It's But I'll tell you what else was interesting. How about that uh, Dan Snyder is buying out all the minority stockholders, the shareholders of the Redskins, to the tune of about $850 million. And he yeah, will Don be Len- the sole owner. Yeah, Don lending the money, Roger. Oh, okay. Well, I knew somebody <laughs> had it. We, I figured it That's him, yeah. From, yeah. You know? But I think and that, also, that, uh, Roger, they also they're, they're going to be called. You see that uh, the last couple of days, they are going to be the Washington football team. They're not going to have a they're not going to have a nickname. Uh, they're going to use the Washington football team as their uh, as their uh, shining shining light in the papers. Yeah, for for one more year, I think it is, Don. And then they said that no, they, they said will, they're going uh, to go beyond that. They're going to go beyond oh, really? that. They said. That's what they said. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe Snyder will change that. But uh, uh, they said that they were they were thinking of using that permanently now. I don't know. Roy, have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't. Uh, that's all news to me. Um, what, what do you know about that, Don? Anything? No, I just uh, I saw it in the paper. Uh, was I think it was in the Post today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the Post in here with me. Uh, when we go to a, uh, some other topic, I'll see if I can go out and find it. But uh, I'm sure it was in the New York Post. I just can't remember what the exact dates were. But uh, they were saying they were going to use that, uh, the original name that they're using now, they were going to continue on with that. Well, you know, um, maybe maybe at some point they'll they'll make a change and come up with a nickname. But, eh, you know, the Washington football team, it, it works. It's, uh, uh, you know, they got bigger issues to concern themselves with, I think, than than the name. A lot of it might have oh, been yeah. marketing. You know, there might have been already already might have been enough marketing uh, efforts put into trying to get that out there and get that sold. That if you come back so quickly with a new nickname, uh, you know, a lot of that those efforts go to waste. And there's a lot of product out there, so uh, uh, it could it could have something to do with the marketing end of things as well. Yeah, Probably or somebody may somebody may buy a name for him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well then, you know what? <laughs> Don't be surprised with Dan Snyder. Anything's possible. Right. That's true. Now with him, uh, he'll own the the entire team. So it's going to be Dan Snyder's uh, uh, ball club. Won't have any uh, influence from any of the contributors or uh, the uh, other owners. But the other thing is, I was just thinking, remember when St. John's University uh, changed from uh, uh, the Redmen, the St. John Redmen? And it was a similar situation to what the Redskins have done or had to go through. Exactly. Exactly. They'll come up with a name. But, you know, uh, the the other thing is uh, we'll have to start talking about baseball. Okay, Roy? Because today is the first of the week. Full first. That's correct. And I got good news, Roy, today. I was over at the uh, uh, the Braves uh, minor, you know, Triple uh, A uh, office, and uh, May 11th minor league baseball starts, which is encouraging. And yeah, uh, is. of course, the, the Braves are going to be there 
after the season starts because that's going to be uh, what do they they call it? It's it's like the uh, alternate alternate uh, training site, and that's yeah, where they'll right. be. You know, all the teams will be at their AAA alternate training site. Well, I'm certainly ready for ready for baseball season to start. Um, you know, Phillies. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it's the same sort of expectations. We'll see what happens. Um, a little bit more power, maybe with Alec Baum at third base, um, but still a few holes in that rotation. I think. Um, you know they're hoping to get uh, you know obviously good seasons out of Aaron Nola and uh, you know see what see if Zach Eflin can take a step forward and become a little bit better pitcher. But uh, it's really going to be about the bullpen there, I think. I know I, I think they're going to be you know solid everywhere else, but uh, can the bullpen uh, get the job done? They've they've tried a lot of bodies there over the last uh, couple of years. Now it's uh, kind of a retread in Archie Bradley and see if Hector Neris can uh, can can get there, but. Um, it's, I think it's going to be determined by the bullpen how good they, uh, how good they are. Uh, let me just go back to our topic a minute ago, uh, Roger. Let me interrupt for a second to say uh, the team president, uh, Jason Wright, told ESPN yesterday the Washington football team might not just a uh, short-term name. The National Football League is, uh, is saying that the East franchise will be the Washington football team. That's in the post there today. There you go. Oh, there you go. Well, I knew they could yeah. do it for another year. I knew that, but I thought that then they were going to make a uh, a, a selection. You know, we'll have to uh, talk to our good friend uh, Mike Simzak. He'll be uh, able to give us some insight a little later in the hour. Right, right. Well, as they say it, uh, it could all change, as you say. I didn't uh, know that Snyder was going to, you know, put forth all that money. So he may have a different idea. And if he does, his his power will rule. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Roy, you yeah. know, before you go, I, w- I wanted to ask you about this situation with Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. And I, Deshaun, you mean Deshaun I mean, Watson? I mean Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, right. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I broadcast high school games from when he was a freshman on. And I just have never heard a bad word about him from anybody. At Gainesville High School, right right up, Clemson, any place. And now there's all these civil suits against him, which obviously is having a, a repercussion uh, on the situation with him with the Texans. Uh, you know, what do you, what's your feeling about this thing? Well, first of all, uh, I, I understand. I mean, you're, I'm right there with you. Every, I think 99% of the people that know Deshaun Watson or know about Deshaun Watson or in the camp you're in that uh, until now we have never heard a bad word about this kid. This is a kid who, you know, made a, made a, a commitment to graduate uh, from college before he got out. He did it in three years, earned his three degree years. Uh, in three years at, uh, at Clemson and, uh, you know, came out and yes, uh, I've never heard a bad word about him. Uh, just, I mean, an exemplary, uh, person uh character uh you know oozing from every pore and uh to hear this is um extremely disturbing uh at the same time i, I don't want to dismiss the allegations um you know I, I have a hard time believing anyone would make this kind of thing up um it, it's you know and damage damage someone's reputation and uh and, and you know to, to to for any reason even if it's you know financial doesn't matter i mean to me it's uh 
it's well, it's incomprehensible. Well, but well, really, know, it's up to, to thirteen now. It's not just one person right. making these allegations. It's up to thirteen, and boy, yeah. boy, that is hard to dismiss. You know, here's here's my conspiracy theory, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I I've always followed whatever it whatever the issue is. You know, I, I follow the facts as a, as a news reporter. I, that's that was always my job. It wasn't to speculate about what you think is going to happen. It's you know, what do we know about what has happened? And you know, but here's my conspiracy theory. You know, there's an, there's an awful lot of bad blood it seems between ownership in uh, in Houston right now and uh, and and its players in particular. I mean, Deshaun Watson right. isn't the first one to fall, seemingly fall, seemingly fall out of favor and you know, under this ownership uh, group. And um, look, I, I, I'm not, I hate to say it, but I don't know. Is, is, could it, is it possible that someone in that ownership group has, has you know, put this thing together to, to kind of smear Deshaun Watson? Although I don't know why that would be the case. And again, this makes no sense. I'm killing my own conspiracy theory because if you're looking to trade him, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you, uh, you're, you're hurting, you're hurting your value there, the, the value, but unless you're, your approach is to destroy his value and, and therefore maybe rescind some of the money uh, on his contract. Um, maybe that's the game plan. I, I don't know. But, and again, it's just well, we'll leave sense. it. We'll leave but, it right there because Larry Bow is standing by ready to go with section number two of the program tonight. And Roy, once again, Roy, thank you very much. And we won't speculate on anything. We'll wait till we have some facts. Sounds good to me guys. Thanks for having me. As have always. A great take, take care. Larry Bull, always a pleasure, and uh, we're coming down to the home stretch of spring training. And so just give me an idea of uh, how many major decisions do you have to make uh, from an organizational standpoint before the 28 people are ready to go to Philadelphia? Well, Don, they, they have to make a few decisions because uh, some of these guys are non-rosters, and we're filled right now at 40. So if – the non-roster guys make it, but there's a possibility three could make it. They're going to have to take three guys off or make a trade or whatever, but uh, there's still tough decisions to make. You know, you got a couple of veterans here that are pitching very well. Uh, Watson in particular, and he hasn't had a good spring. Kinsler, these guys, they have a proven track record. So I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in spring training, especially if a veteran, so these are going to be decisions uh, that uh, Dave Dombrowski and uh, Joe Girardi are going to have to make as we're moving forward here. We're running out of time, obviously. Center field's still wide open. Uh, everything, Every other position is pretty much locked in already as far as the starting lineup is concerned. So it's going to be a matter of uh, who they want to take, and if they want to take some guys off the 40-man roster, and we'll see how it shakes out. But uh, – there's still, you know, another week, really. We don't open up till next Thursday, so we'll see how it shakes out. Hey, Larry, I, it's Roger. I have a, a couple of questions for you. There's been so much speculation about Oduba Herrera, number one. Right. And uh, right. you think he's going to go on the uh, 40-man roster, or will he be traded, mm-hmm. or will he But Do you have any idea about that? He's definitely uh, in the mix to start there in center field. You know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, maybe uh, Kingery, Quinn, Herrera, Hazley. They're still all in the mix. And uh, Herrera's probably had 
as far as swing wise concerned, the best swings of all of them. So you know, again, it's going to be a matter of which way they want to go here. Uh, there's definitely depth there, but uh, I don't really th- I think you're going to probably take two of them. One of them's going to be an extra guy, and one's probably going to start in center field. I could very easily see Hazley again. This is just me speculating. He's missed a lot of spring training. So I could see him yeah. going down the, the, to the, the alternate site for maybe 10 days or two weeks just to get at bats. But, again, that, that's something that the front office is going to have to decide. I know he played today. Herrera played today. And, well, you know, we'll see how how it all ends up. But uh, there's some well, you know, What they're time concerned decisions. about is the, the, the reaction of the fans about Herrera. And, uh, well, I mean, you this know is what? the top. Uh, Go ahead. You know, it's not like, you know, Herrera has, has paid his dues as far as he got punished for a whole year. And what he did, no one's known him what he did. It's terrible. But the fact is that uh, if we're going to punish him for the rest of his career, then maybe they might trade him. But, uh, you know, i, I got to think that he's, he's definitely changed. His attitude changed. Uh, he's going with the same girl that he got in this altercation with. Uh, and I, I could see that being a concern, but, uh, you know, like I said, that, that, that decision alone might be John Middleton's decision. I don't know. Yeah. Larry, you let know, me ask you this question, which has uh, really plagued us all during the off season, and that is the bullpen. We talked about it so much last year, how difficult it was for Joe Girardi to get some kind of bullpen together, and you didn't make one move in the fact that, Bradley's coming in, and over the last four years, he's got a 2.95 run, run average, which means he could come in and be the closer without too much difficulty if he maintains, whereas the bullpen was 7.05 ERA all of last year. Is one person going to be enough to save that bullpen? There's more than one. Uh, Alvarado's pitched unbelievable, unbelievable out of that bullpen so far. Uh, we got him from Tampa. He probably has the best stuff of everybody. Robbed in the kid who had a very good second half. Kinsler, Coonrod, Hale, uh, Watson. You know our bullpen is going to be Daris. We're going to have a lot better bullpen. There's no. That's. I don't even consider that to be a weakness. I think we're going to really improve in that area. And if Alvarado throws the ball like he has right now, uh, I could very easily see him closing games. But again, his big, the big thing with him is his inability to throw strikes with Tampa Bay. But so far down here, he's thrown a lot of strikes. So, uh, you know, Joe's going to have some options. He's, he could go to Daris. He could go to Alvarado. He could go to uh, Kinsler. He could go to uh, any number of those guys if you really uh, if you really think about it. Uh, I mean, we we got some options down there. Uh, so you and, really uh, feel secure. You really feel secure like as opposed to. hundred times. No question. I like about that. hundred times better than last year. And, you know, Great. I didn't know Bradley, so. Well, Frank, yeah, you want to jump in? Yeah. Yep. Well, Go ahead, Roger. Well, I thought I, Frank I, had a question. Yeah, I want to say. I'll wait to I want to say to Larry, what about the, uh, well, everything I've read about Matt Moore? I mean, he looks terrific. And uh, this he, gives them a starting left-hander, which they haven't had since Cole Hamels. Isn't that right? Yeah, right now, if we Larry. open up, we're going to have Nola. Right now, our rotation it would be Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, Moore, and Anderson. That that would be our rotation starting out. 
And Moore's looked good, right? Moore, Moore and Anderson both have looked good, no question. Howard, Howard, in my opinion, will probably – he needs to pitch a little bit. He was, he's been uh, hung up a little bit with a rib cage. He pitched today in a simulated game, threw the ball very well. Velasquez, the same situation. Uh, I could see Velasquez maybe starting out in the bullpen here, but I would think Howard would probably start off. Like I said, it's not Eston Stone. I think they want him to pitch a little bit more, and, they might, and I could see him going to that alternate side. Mm-hmm. Well, there seems to be a tremendous amount of balance right now in, in the East. I mean, Atlanta's maybe got a little bit of an edge going in, but nobody really knows that. You know, how's their pitcher going to be? you got an Achilles tendon coming back from last year. I mean, is he going to be healthy enough to play this year? Miami uh, jumped into the playoffs last year surprisingly a little bit. The Mets' starting pitching uh, rotation should be, if everybody remains healthy, the best in the National League East. Washington is a real question mark. Some of your thoughts about the uh, the clubs are really going to have to face within the division itself. Well, Don, I, I think I don't think a wild card's coming out of the East. I, I think these teams are all even. They're going to beat up on each other. I could see in the West the Dodgers and San Diego, the two teams. I could see in the Central the Cardinals and Milwaukee. I, I just I just don't see somebody in the East because of how close these teams are together, and they play each other 19 times, and there's really no easy games. And, you know, Miami they got in last year. They have outstanding pitching. Uh, the Nationals, uh, pitching-wise, they're 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 real good, and I think it's going to be a, a dogfight here. Uh, I like our lineup as good as anybody's, our starting lineup. Uh, but you know, there's more to it than just a starting lineup. But this is going to be a tough division. The National League East and the American League East. We got a tough schedule when we play interleague. We got to go to the American League East. We play Toronto, and I will say this about Toronto: they can swing the bats, uh, pitching-wise. I don't know if they have enough, but they score runs. As we all know, the Yankees are going to be tough. Tampa Bay always in the mix with that pitching. Uh, I don't see Baltimore doing anything in the American League, I and I really don't see Boston doing anything. So it's both Eastern divisions. They have some strengths in those divisions, and we have to play them. We have to play the American League East and Interleague, and then, of course, we play 19 games each with the National League East. Well, National League East, a lot of people feel it's the strongest division, Larry, in baseball, period. It's it's a tough division. Believe me, it is a tough division. And i got to say, whoever can stay the healthiest, because depth is going to come into play here. Obviously, pitchers didn't pitch a lot of innings last year. There's going to be concern of, does a guy throw too many innings? So then, whatever you have down below, can they, you know, supplement what you can't get out of your regular starter. So, obviously, uh, if your depth is strong and you stay away from serious injuries, the team that could do that, I think, is going to win this division. All right. I think the Dodgers are pretty much counted on to be the number one team going into the season. Uh, the Padres have done a lot to challenge. I saw one of the forecasters today in New York pick the Dodgers to win between 105 and 110 games, but they also picked the Padres to win 100 games. They must beat everybody else in the league if they're going to win 200 games between the two teams. They're, they're pretty good on both teams. I mean, the Padres really made a lot of pickups and spent some money. The Dodgers, as we well know, that uh, they're going to be in the mix. There's really no salary cap with them. They, they, they don't care about going over the, the luxury tax. 
they're deep. They're, <laughs> I've heard the price might be coming out of the bullpen. That's how deep they are. So, oh, wow. hey, those two teams oh. are those two teams are good. There's no question about it. They're real good. Larry, you know, when I remember when we were all in Florida that was a number of years ago now, and Michael Franco was coming up, and you know, we all thought that Michael Franco was going to be an absolutely tremendous player, and uh, you know, he was with Kansas City last year. I think he's with Baltimore now. What happened to Michael Franco? Well, you know, that's a good question. But if you, as soon as we get off this phone call, you look up his numbers, he's 15 to 20 every year and 70 to 80 RBIs. And Mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, it didn't work out here. And he had a good year last year in a shortened season with Kansas City. Uh, You know, there's a stigma there that his range is limited. He's got a great arm. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. I like Mikey, but I don't think he's a three or four hitter in your lineup. I think he's more towards a seven hitter. And, of course, when he played with Philly, he was right in the middle of, that, of our lineup. Right. And I think that uh, – I think putting him down a little bit lower, whether it be with Baltimore or Kansas City, you know, he doesn't have to think, I, I'm the man, i got to do this. And I think maybe he put a lot of extra pressure on himself here. But he didn't have bad years with us. He really didn't. I mean, 20 and 80 is not bad. Or, no. or even 17 and 75, uh, but he put up numbers every year, and obviously the Phillies didn't feel that that was good enough. Larry Bo, our special guest this segment of the show, and let me throw one to you right out of left field, which uh, you probably know better than anyone. Tony La Russa, can he come back with the Chicago White Sox? Uh, I have to being out for a while, but not only that, his age and, and how he works with the youngsters. Give me a little you know him much better than any, any of us do. What do you think? Yeah, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be fine. You, you don't you don't forget your baseball knowledge. Can he uh, can he uh, equate with the young player? I'm sure he can. You know, I think Tony's a smart individual. He knows the game is definitely different than when he managed. I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. He's got a real good baseball team. I know that. So I don't I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue of how he handles the players. I know his knowledge of the game is still very good. So, you know, people make it out to be like he's he's on his last leg as far as uh, he can't communicate. I think he, I think he'll have be just fine there. And, and again, that's a good team, and and they're going to have some competition there with Minnesota. So it should be a good race. Yeah, they're giving uh, they're giving the White Sox a lot of credit uh, in the forecasting uh, department, as you just indicated. Uh, that, that's a pretty doggone good club he's coming in to manage. So he's not coming into something where he's going to be in over his head as far as trying to develop some talent. Yeah, I don't think he would have taken the job if it was like a semi-rebuild. I think the only right. reason he took that job is because he felt that, hey, I got a chance to get to a World Series with this team. And, and if you t- take a look at it on paper, it's a real good baseball team. But again, you know, that's why you play 162 games. No one can look into the crystal ball and see you go injury-free. I mean, the way the game's structured now, you need probably need nine or ten starting pitchers because guys go on the DL. And this year in particular, you got to watch innings pitch. Uh, obviously, they're going to be on pitch counts right out of the gate because of the shortened season last year. Uh, right. So it's going to be a lot of maneuverability from all these teams with their pitching depth-wise as far as whether they have below this the major league roster. So we'll see how that plays out with all these teams because 
They're not going to let anybody throw 200 innings. I guarantee that. Roger? Well, you know, getting back to the pitching of the Phillies, Larry, and I think that uh, I'm with you. I think they're going to be very strong. And, and the bullpen, from everything I've seen and read and watched on TV, listen to games, uh, it's so much stronger. And, and uh, Joe has to have a lot of confidence. But I think also to have some of these uh, that non-roster players that uh, if they stay uh, and go to the alternate training site at Lehigh Valley, uh, then if the time is appropriate, bring them up. But you're right. They'll have a lot of, uh, they'll have more experience than what we've had bring brought up in the past. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, again, I don't know. There, there's a couple guys that have opt outs tomorrow, I think either today or tomorrow. And that means that we would have two days to either say, Hey, we want you to go to the alternate site. We'll give you more money or maybe they might want to make a trade with somebody. So these are options that uh, Dave Dombrowski is going to have to weigh before he cuts them loose. There, there's a possibility. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen. We, we might need four roster spots. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at, at our, our the guys that are signed as non-roster players, it could come down to four, or again, the Phillies might say, you know what, we can't do this. Maybe we'll, we'll get two spots open. So I don't know how that's going to play out. It depends on how valuable they think their 40-man roster is. And I know David Robrowski is not into the rebuild or semi-rebuild. He wants to win right now. So we'll see if he goes with these veterans and has to make room for them on the roster or if he lets them go and goes with a couple kids. Larry, your thoughts on uh, some of the rules that they changed last year for the 60 games. They're going to you know, carry on this year, man, a second base, extra innings, play seven innings and double headers. Uh, I guess they aren't going to have uh, – Washington certainly thought they were going to have the designated hitter in the National League when they signed Sherber. But uh, your thoughts on the, the rule changes and, and do you like it? I don't like any of them. I don't like any <laughs> – the, the man on second, I think that's a joke. I think seven innings, double headers is a joke. Uh, the only one I would go for, and I think it's just going to be this year, I, I thought they were going to have a DH in both leagues. I think after this no agreement comes, this next agreement that's coming up December 31st this year, I think that'll be the first thing they put on there is there'll be a DH. I, I, I don't mind that you have to fit, face three hitters. I don't want, I, I can live with that. But with the man on second, uh, you know, that stuff is all minor league stuff. And, uh, it, to me, it ruins the game. It, you know, I'll get that they did it last year because because it was a shortened season. They didn't want 15, 16. This was 162 games this year, barring any outbreaks of, of the COVID. So let's just play the, the game the way it's supposed to be played. And uh, But he wants to incorporate these new rules, and he's the commissioner. I guess he can do whatever he wants to do. Roger? I'm with Larry. I agree with you. Uh, you know, it's taken baseball the wrong way. And uh, yeah. instead of growing, I think it's going to take it, you know, in reverse. I well, really do. You know, the other the other thing, they're talking about having bigger bags. They're talking about in the minor leagues, you have to step off to pick a guy off. You can't go with a, you know, a left-hander, raise his leg and throw over. You can only throw over there twice per hitter. So, in essence, he wants more action, stolen bases, 
hitting runs. But yet the analytics tell you don't steal bases and don't hit and run right. because it doesn't work. So one group has to do it this way. The commissioner wants more action. The analytics say no, go for home runs. So they're caught in the middle right now. And if you really have Larry, bigger bases. Larry, we've also got, got Billy Wurndell on the line right now, and, and Billy wants to join in with us. And uh, First of all, Billy, thank you very much for taking on this segment. And, Maybe you got a question right off the top for Larry Boa. Well, Larry Boa should be the commissioner of baseball. Right? There Simple we go. That. <laughs> All right? Simple right. as that. Absolutely. The, these, the, the, the At least president of the baseball. National League. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, they don't have any presidents anymore. They have one guy, <laughs> yeah. Rob Manford, a lawyer, who's making all these decisions <laughs> and ruining the game. You know, the right. game used to be at two hours and 30, two hours and 40 minutes, you'd be out of the building, and, and people enjoyed themselves. Now they have a strikeout, home run, walk. Boring, boring, right. boring. You may watch a game for four hours. Man, I, I'd love right. to watch an extra inning game for four, four hours, but a regular nine-inning game? Give me a break. I'm with you, and, You know, they're, they're talking about bigger, bigger bases because if you go back, to when Bryce Harper stepped on first base and slipped because it was raining. He, I don't know if it was his knee or ankle, and he went on the disabled list. If you watch the video on that, you're supposed to hit the front of the bag when you run the first base. Harp hit the middle of the bag on top where it was wet, and you are going to slip with spikes. If you run the bases properly, you hit the front edge, and it doesn't matter if there's a monsoon you're not going to slip. But we don't look into it that way. We think it, the rain caused the accident. No, it wasn't the rain that caused the accident. It was Harp hitting the bag the wrong way. But, again, we're going to make the bases bigger, and uh, we'll see how that goes in the minor leagues. Larry, you know another thing that's ruining the game. I had Fred Goodelli on today on my radio show of NBC Sports, who produces the Sunday night game. And he made a great, great comment about replay. Let's go back to the old days. Uh, we don't need replay. Maybe on a fair foul ball, if it was over, it was if it was over the wall, a home run. But we don't need if a guy is off the base by a millisecond. Well, uh, the fielder tagged him out. And they look at it for two and a half minutes. We don't need all this replay. That's ruining the game as well. The human element is being taken out. And this damn quest tech to talk about umpires having a computer or a robot there. That's ridiculous. Right. I, I'm all in on I'm all in on no replay. I'm all in on uh, umpires. When we played, they had their own strike zone. In other words, uh, I'll, I'll name one umpire that's no longer with us. Frank Foley was to me one of the best umpires in the National League. And you knew the first inning what was going to be a strike and what was going to be a ball. And as a hitter, you made the adjustment. As a pitcher, you made the adjustment. These umpires, I would want to be an umpire right now. They're under so much scrutiny right now. They're afraid to call balls and strikes because, as, as Bill just stated, after the game, if they watch 100, uh, say, over 200 pitches, they got to sit down and one of the supervisors sit with them and they go over how many pitches they missed or how many they got right. It, it's tough. It's tough being an umpire. And I agree with the fair or foul ball. I think you could, you could replay that. But these guys that barely slide off the bag, uh, I, I, I don't know. That's, you know. That's exactly what I was going to say, Larry. I, you, you, see, 
you see somebody stealing second base, and and there's a glimmer of light between right. when they when their foot's right. on the back or their hands on the back, they're gonna call the guy out. I mean, give me right. a break. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. We absolutely. And then, as you said, they'll spend two minutes, three minutes, playing it over and over and over again. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they, they they say they want to get it right, but even on the replays, there's some. I know when I was managing or coaching, when I was coaching with when uh, the Phillies till they recently got off the field there, they even got those wrong watching the replay. So and then they call the next day and say, you know what? After further review, we saw it and we did make a mistake here. So there's not a hundred percent. It's about the end all be all, really. The human element. That's part of baseball. The human element. People make mistakes. In all sports, well, I don't think it's just air. baseball. I think in all sports, the human element has to come in. Well, how about football? Every time a guy catches a pass, we got to let's see if he was inbound. Let's see if it's a touchdown. It's in, like you're right. It's all sports. It's all sports. And I think the fans in all sports, I don't think they like watching all that stuff. I really don't. Roger? You know, I was just thinking when you mentioned about the umpires uh, have to sit down with the supervisor. Does the cowboy uh, does he sit down with a supervisor? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, he might be the supervisor. I don't know. <laughs> His own supervisor. He'll, he'll sing him a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Joe West should have been out of baseball when he threw Dennis Absolutely, Cook to the ground Bill. in the game. Absolutely. That. You're an umpire. You've got to keep order in the game, and you're not in WWF and all that stuff. Look, Larry may like Joe West. I don't know, uh, Larry, if you like him or not, but I think he should have been shown the door. You never do that with a player. Never. Joe's got me a few times. I I will say this about Joe. He's chasing a record, I think, for most games, umpire, and I think once he gets that record, then – He'll go off into the sunset and make some uh, some country work. Put him on a horse and ride. Get him out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you a a technical question. That that is this. You you talk about evaluating and evaluate by looking at the monitors, all the umpiring, when they call the balls and strikes. I don't believe that the camera behind center field is accurate enough. I know the umpires that we've had on down here in the program, they say that that's not a fair evaluation of whether it's a strike or a ball. That it's not a they're, clear delineation there. They're a hundred percent right. It's not. It's a different angle, and uh, now in some ballparks it looks like it's cut catching the corner. Other ballparks it doesn't look like it is. It, you're right. It's, it's not a true evaluation of it. So you, you know another thing, Larry. You know what else I miss? The the manager or the uh, coach jumping out of the coach's box or the dugout and arguing with the umpires. We don't have that anymore. That was part of the fun yeah. of the game to see a Billy Martin or, or a you know Whitey Herzog or Larry Boa jump out and go chin to chin with the umpire. That's gone. That, that that's what baseball is all about, man. To be able to go out there and argue. Sometimes you got your team that's playing uh, not with not a lot of emotion and maybe. Hey, it's time for me to do something and get them fired up a little bit. You can't argue anything now. If you argue balls and strikes, you're automatically out. You can't argue right. with an umpire if they reverse a the call because that's coming from New York. 
So you'd have to get on the phone and call whoever's at the booth there. You, you can't argue. The only way you get kicked out now is if you want to go out and argue balls and strikes, and they warn you, don't come out to talk about balls and strikes or you're automatically out. So you're right. People like to see that stuff. It was very entertaining at times. Absolutely. Part of the, part of the game. Yep. Sure was. No, like girl Look, look, I remember an, uh, a manager by the name of Gene Mock, and he and Larry knows as, as well as anybody because he broke in with Gene Mock back in the day. Gene Mock would always try to get an edge with an umpire. Did he not, Larry? Yeah. All the time. All the time. And, you know, that, that's what part of the strategy is, you know, getting in the umpire's ear or, uh, you know, Mock would say, hey, don't give him that pitch. He doesn't need help and stuff like, you know, all kinds of stuff like that happened. But now it's sort of uh, all the bickering and, and uh, getting on guys. That, that's gone out of baseball. It's just uh, it's a different game. There's no question. It's a complete different game. It's a gentleman's game. You can't break up double plays. You can't knock a catcher down. Uh, if you throw inside to a hitter, you get warned. And now today they came out with they're going to have people in every dugout making sure that nobody has any pine tar on their fingers. So uh, I guess they feel that the pine tar is making the spin rate go off the charts, and they don't they don't want people to have you can have pine tar on the bat, but you can't have pine tar on your hand. So again, another rule change. Larry, is the prism between the players' association? I know the battle they had last year on and off before they finally settled that sixty games. Is the prism that strong that and now they're always saying? You know, the contract's up in 21, but we're going to go right back where we were. It's not going to – we're not going to settle anything. What's what's going on? There, there's a lot of animosity, I'll tell you that, between the players and the, and the owners. I, I'll just leave it at that. I, I've listened to the players. I've read comments by the owners. Uh, this could be a, a back and forth that goes on for a while, believe me. It's, it's not going to be pretty. I don't know how it's going to end up. But it's not going to be pretty. It'll be disastrous for baseball if they have a work stoppage. And because oh, we saw no what happened in 94, 95, when Bud Sealy yeah, decided to cancel the World Series. And I don't understand how he gets in the Hall of Fame, Bud Sealy. That's an absolute joke, in my opinion. Really a joke. <laughs> well, it, if they have a work stoppage after the COVID last year, and we don't know what's going to happen this year, hopefully we get to play 162, but nobody knows. Uh, it, that would be a disaster to the sport because I think people found out last year with the 60-game season and not being able to go to the park, they really realized that there's other things to do. And yeah. I think that hurt us a lot. So we're going to have to reestablish ourselves, and hopefully this year, playing 162 and having some good pennant races, they can get back on the map again. But, again, that we have to wait and see how that plays out because – we still don't know how this COVID thing's going to play out during the course of the summer. Right. Hopefully, hopefully everything's headed in the right direction with the vaccine and everything. But you know, we get spikes every now and then, and all it takes is one team to go down, and it, you know, it could it, it could hurt the sport if it happened again. Well, the last question, and that would be, uh, what is the protocol right now? I know they're saying yeah, they're going to let maybe fifty uh, percent, maybe you know. 2,000 people, 4,000 people, whatever it may be, in the ballparks. What is the protocol for players, managers, coaches, and 
especially in a traveling situation going from one place to another. Oh, it, it's tough because I've, I've, I've been uh, down here in uniform, and we have to do the, the spit test every other day. They do the clubhouses. They spray them. You have to wear a mask inside the clubhouse. Basically, the only time you, they don't want you to take it off is it's hard to breathe when you're hitting fungos or throwing BP. You know, you drop the mask down by your neck. And then you put it back up as soon as you're done. But it is very strict. They've done a good job. I will say that. They've done a good job where we eat. You can only have two or three people at a table. Uh, when you shower, there's every other shower is, is off because they don't want anybody to get close. You have your own little soap and, and shampoo, little, the little small bottles, and you throw them away. It, it's really, really tough. And you know what? I didn't realize what they went through. Doing that for 60 games last year, I take my hat off to those guys. It, it, it is really – you have to take – when you take your buses, you take three buses. You have assigned seats. Uh, it, it's it's pretty tough. It really is. Well, Larry, thank you very much for your time as always. And uh, it, it's just a great pleasure having you on the show to talk a little bit about everything. Right. Right? We, we jump from one topic to another, and you're one of the few people I know that are really on top of every one of them. So – Thank you so very, very much for joining us once again. All right, Don. You guys take care. Larry, and, uh, have hopefully we have a 162-game season this year. Absolutely. Boom, Larry. No question. Good health Talk to you, Larry. Larry. Thank you. Stay healthy, and we'll, we'll get you on later on in the season. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Take All right, care. Billy Wurndell. You jumped in there with Larry Bow as well. We didn't want him to hold you up a little bit. And uh, – uh, should we stay with baseball for a minute, or should we start to talk about what's going on in the world of football and the Philadelphia Eagles? Let's because, start, man, look, I, man, I like talking baseball. With, Larry Boa had some great points, and I think that baseball has got to realize that, you know, you can't have these three-and-a-half, four-hour games if you're going to try to attract the younger generation, all right? And this whole thing with strikeout, walk, uh, home run, it's boring baseball. As Larry said, the hit and run, the stolen base, and the squeeze play, hit behind the runner, go the other way. I mean, all those things are part of the fabric of the game. And they've taken that away because of all these geeks who never played baseball in their life. They're propeller heads, as I would call them. And they have no idea about the game of baseball. They just look at numbers. We've been looking at numbers in baseball for 140 years, all right? You can look at numbers, but some of these numbers aren't true indicators, all right, are not true indicators. You know, if, you ha- if you're a manager, you have to have a gut feeling about a situation, all right? You, you have to have a gut feeling about maybe this guy's struggling against right-handed pitching, but I'm going to keep him in there anyway because I think tonight's the night he's going to break out of his slump against right-handed pitching, all right? Simple as that. And I think that we've taken that away because all these books, it looks like the Encyclopedia Britannica is on the bench today. I mean, come on, give me a I, – I just don't understand it. They've really ruined a great, great sport, and you wonder why viewership is down. The World Series was a, a, a basically a non-factor this year. It's unfortunate, really, but they're counting on, I'll tell you what they're counting on, like all sports, 
the gambling, the legalized gambling, so you can bet on every play. That's what they're hoping will save their bacon. Roger? Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Bill. And it's just amazing. And, uh, you know, Larry's point about uh, the fans coming back, you know, it's not, it's not only there. I've said it several times. A lot of people feel that uh, in the NFL, at least 10% of season ticket holders that, uh, league-wide will not be back. I can tell you in churches, uh, they're very concerned about, as they've opened, about people coming back to church and bringing their kids because they find other things to do you know, uh, and uh, activities and, and things that uh, they never did with their kids before. Uh, my daughter, not that it's any change, uh, her girls are involved in, uh, and, they, and they rent a horse, uh, you know, and get uh, riding lessons, which probably uh, they wouldn't have done in the past other than the problems in the last couple of years, you know, a year, year a little over a year. Well, you're right. And, and baseball, you see, you don't have baseball people or football people right. or hockey people or basketball people running the leagues. You have people that a lawyer like Manford, Roger Goodell, I don't know what his background is, but he just takes $40 million and puts it in his pocket. Uh, right. Adam Silver is okay. Bettman's okay. But these aren't visionaries. I mean, we're celebrating – uh, on Monday, the day that Pete Rozelle announced that he was retiring from the NFL, he was a visionary. Tell me these uh, these commissioners today who are visionaries. Bud Selig, <laughs> what vision did he have? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Roger Goodell, what vi- vision did he have? I mean, you have to think. He had a vision. How to make billions and billions of dollars, really. That's what his vision the, is. Well, that that's what it's – but you know what, Don? Here's the other problem. You can you can kill the golden goose. And believe right. me, I, I think we're getting to a very – as Roger said, 10% of people aren't going to re, re, renew their season tickets in football. That well, they're trying now with his uh, new contract, this new TV contract. Well, you're not even going to what right. station these games are on. You got Now you have to subscribe to Amazon if you want to see right. an NFL football game. You've got to be kidding me. On Thursday night. And, and that was a, a, a complete debacle. Nobody, right. None of the networks wanted Thursday night football. I mean, Fox didn't want it. CBS didn't want it. Uh, ESPN didn't want it. And I know NBC did not want it. So Amazon was the bidder. So what's going to happen? The two teams playing Thursday night, the games will be shown in the local market. But if you want to see the game on Thursday night, you have to subscribe to Amazon. That's right. And pay that's a exactly fee. right. That that's the thing. And you know what? You're you're going down a very dangerous situation here when you start turning the fans off. And the other problem facing sports today is. Over 90 million people have cut the cable, 90 million, because of these astronomical fees. Every time you look at your cable bill, it goes up 4 or $5. And people are saying, enough is enough is enough. No question you know, about Bill, that. I watched the uh, 70 fixer game last night at uh, Golden State. And you're at a point, uh, you and I have talked about it many times, uh, in every quarter, they wanted you to bet. <laughs> I mean, they spent 10, 15, 20 seconds 
putting up draft king or whatever the Sam Hill it is, you know, bet the bet the high, bet over under, bet the. I mean, it's getting to be ridiculous. Don, I'm waiting for the next big big sports gambling scandal to occur, because somebody's oh, yeah. going to be dumb enough to get involved with, you know, not an illegal bookmaker, but with a legalized bookmaking operation. And they'll be in for a lot of money, uh, maybe a relative, maybe a friend, and they're going to call in a marker, and the guy's not going to have a good game. I can't believe Tom Brady didn't play well in this game. I wonder what maybe something was bothering him. Yeah, his <laughs> brother may have came to him and said, "Hey Tom, uh, I'm in a hole a hundred thousand right. dollars." I'm telling you, it, it's dangerous. You know, I've always contended. Alcohol, drugs, you, there's telltale signs when people are on those uh, things. Gambling, you have to hit rock bottom. And because the late, yeah. great Chet Forty, who directed Monday Night Football, lost everything through gambling, everything. Uh, wow. He was living in Richmond, Virginia before he moved out to California and got a job at the station I worked at. And guess what? I sat with him one day, and he looked me right in the eye. He said, Bill, there's losers and liars, and that's what we are as gamblers. Well, the biggest the biggest loser and biggest gambler was in the truck with NBC all those years. He wound up betting on everything. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. You're right. Last, and, last and question before we bring Mike in, uh, Roger, one last shot. Yeah, you know, Bill, uh, when you talk about your station, I saw uh, your old uh, partner, uh, on TV, uh, you know, uh, Steve Hartman. Wasn't that your uh, partner good, yeah, out there? Good, good man. Good man. Yeah, yeah, because I remember being with you and uh, Steve together a lot of times at the uh, Super Bowls. But, uh, you know, I want to get back to the uh, Phillies because I agree with you 100% uh, on this gambling and everything else. It's just uh, – it's a sad state. And, uh, you know, and I mean, look at uh, – Brett Musburger runs a gambling uh, – a company, right? And that's doing mm-hmm. the play-by-play, the uh, Raiders. Television network. Television network. Yeah, well, yeah. The thing is, the thing is, there's no laws anymore. And, you know, you no. look at two sports. One sport that was really heavily involved in gambling for many, many years, horse racing, right? Horse racing yep. is now almost a non-factor in sports. If you look back yep. to the days in the early 50s, it was baseball horse racing, and college basketball, and uh, also boxing. Put that in, in that list. Where's boxing? Where's horse racing? And where's baseball? They're in the dumpster right now, way in the dumpster. That's it. You're exactly right. I don't disagree with you. I think, there, I think it's, just, it's just overdone. And I, I'm not against gambling in one bit, but I just think that when you use them, as sponsors for your program, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, outside betting individual, that's, that's a different story. But to use advertising in both football, National Football League, I'm sure baseball will be doing it too. You'll be able to bet on over and unders and up and downs and everything else. But, Billy, thank you very, very much. Always a pleasure. And we'll get together soon again. But Don, Bill, let me take say care. one thing. Roger, Don, everybody, Frank. After this pandemic's over, there's only going to be one guy that has to wear a mask. One guy. You know who that is? I'm listening. Don? 
Don Henderson. <laughs> the great one. <laughs> it'll be Billy. It'll be solid gold. Yeah. Uh, no, we know that. We know that. <laughs> hey, Bill, thanks. That's a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Billy. We'll check in with you soon. <laughs> so, all right, Mike. Let's exact it with us right now. We in the first hour of the program, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the Washington football team. The New York Post had a story today. Uh, Roger had the, the information about eight hundred some million dollars that Snyder was going to put in to buy the whole team, but the more importantly, that they were going to continue with the name, not just for next year but beyond next year, the Washington Football franchise. Now, what can you? What can you enlighten us to that first before we get to something else? Okay, so the measure was passed by the NFL Financial Committee that enabled uh, Dan Snyder to take on an additional $450 million in debt. So he can take on $450 million in additional debt against the team. The number being passed around right now is $875 million for the uh, 40.5 percent of the team that's owned by the three minority owners, which is right. actually less than the $900 million that they had been offered and that Snyder blocked. So he's using his right of first refusal to buy these shares back. And it looks like he's buying them for about $25 million less than they had the initial offer to. But that'll give him complete control of the team. However, it should be mentioned that this has nothing to do with the Wilkinson uh, report that's coming out about the, um, the sexual harassment. That was uh, there was some stuff leaked uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that the uh, that recommendation from this report was going to be that he either be forced to divest the team or be suspended for a long time. This approval is in no way connected to that. Whether the league has it, voted, or whatever, these are two separate issues. So it still could come down the road that even though he's going through the motions of buying the hundred million, uh, um, buying the team, 100% of the team, he could be still be face disciplinary action from the NFL. Um, as far as the name, this, the uh, chief of football operations floated the idea, as they have before, you know, it's not the first time that this, they've said it, that they may stick with the Washington football team. You know, um, as far as revenue and merchandising go, they had one of their better years in merchandising. Like a lot of people went out and bought these new jerseys and sweatshirts and stuff like that. I think more as a novelty thing, but they've had over 15,000 su- suggestions for names and logos. Um, I don't really know what to make of that, whether or not that they're serious about that. Um, everybody kind of thinks it's ridiculous. Well, I, I can understand why the president would say to ESPN that this is we're going to continue with this name and not make a change if, in fact, they didn't have some type of uh, interorganization discussion about whether this should, could, should continue or whether we should get another name. I think, though, that they wanted to tie up everything with, you know, like a really big brand relaunch, right? And so they kicked the can down the road um, this year. They definitely said they were going to stick and stay with it for, for uh, 
for 2001, but then they've also said that they were or the 2021-2022 season, but they've also teased a new launch coming in 2022 after the season that they were going to launch a whole entire new brand. And then every couple of weeks you hear them, you know, we may stick with this. I think the odds are that they're not going to. No, I think they'll get a new brand. And it may be in connection with the new – I think it'll be in connection, though. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was somehow in connection with the announcement for a new stadium, which is still something that I've been talking about for, with you guys for years that we still don't know any more about than we did yesterday. Roger? So there's, there, nobody has any information, Mike, about uh, any new possible new stadium at all. There's there's nothing. I mean, you know, there's no, been no announcement. The mayor of D.C. has said that they are would welcome uh, the team back, but she's going to have trouble getting the votes on city council to pass the measure to take that land and build a new stadium. Plus, they still have to work out the lease with the government, extend the lease on the, the land with the government. Um, an interesting development came a couple of months ago when Terry McAuliffe announced that he was going to run again for governor of Virginia. He was a big supporter of putting a stadium down in Virginia for the Redskins. Um, if he's reelected in, in this fall, that could have played some role in, in creating the negotiations. But right now, I would say the only two options for Dan Snyder are to build a stadium where it where the current stadium sits or hope that he can get one in D.C. And given the fact that he is now taking on an additional $450 million in debt, it seems very hard to believe that he'll be able to raise enough money to finance the stadium at the level that he's going to need. Like He's not going to get a lot of public funding from Maryland or D.C., if he makes the option to move, which makes an option to move down to Virginia possible because they're in really tight with, uh, it's funny, we were just talking to Billy about betting. The Washington, the Washington football team is interwoven with um, FanDuel six ways from Sunday. And there's legalized gambling in Virginia, so maybe FanDuel might chip in something to have a stadium built down there. I don't know. But there's really everything surrounding that's hypothetical at this point. Where would it be in Virginia? Mike? You're, you're right about the uh, state money. There's there is no state money. State because no of the coronavirus money. and the pandemic, um, monies have dried up. I mean they're they're doing everything they can just to make the budget now. The um, with the extension of the um, unemployment and the additional cash cash uh, for the unemployment, which hasn't yet been paid to the uh, states. The ad valorem tax in many many cases, uh, many states I should say, is up 46 percent uh, in non-paid. So that again draws down. So uh, they can't because that of that drop, they can bond out money like they used to. So that would uh, pretty much eliminate the uh, state funding. Yeah, and I, I, I even with D.C., like right now, D.C.'s got such a lack of affordable housing. And by that, I mm-hmm. don't mean like low-income housing. I mean reasonably priced housing that right. a middle-income family could afford in the city that there's no appetite to give to, to pony up to give him the land for free and pony up the money to build his stadium. 
that's going to be a solid. I think that's going to be a tough sell in D.C. So I don't know where he's going to get the money to do it. I, I really don't. And to answer Rogers' mm-hmm. question, um, you know, I don't. I don't exactly know. Um, a, a lot of things had said previously that they were looking at some land in Loudoun County out by um, Dulles Airport, by but Dulles. that's been given away. That's um, a long trip. Well, they had the Silver Line, which was going to make it worthwhile because it would be metro accessible, which the current stadium isn't. It would be right. a long trip for fans on my side of the Beltway, but on you know the other side, it might not be as bad. You know, so it becomes six to one, half dozen the other for half of D.C. Um, the big issue is they gave a lot of that land away. Plus, what, with the Amazon down in Crystal City, there's not going to be anything down there. They would actually probably have to put it south, like Fairfax County or even south of that, which would be very problematic for the fan base. Well, you well, know, let me just throw this at you because, you know, 25 years, well, not 25, more than 25 years ago, when the Washington Redskins were blacked out, it was the House and Senate that got together because they were the Washington team and they didn't want the team blacked out, so they changed the law. Changed the, maybe right. the National Football League changed the law that the games would all be televised. Now, I don't know that the House and Senate is as powerful as it is or was at those days about the National Football League, but I can't see a Washington team, regardless, being put in Virginia. I mean, what do you got? What do you don't have a Washington team then? Well, it's in Maryland now. It's in Maryland now, yeah. Don. Yeah. It, it yeah, but it's on the border. It's on the borderline. That's it. That's Donna, it. That's if not that's on the borderline, that is the thickest border I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, let's be honest. It's about 15, 20 miles outside of D.C. Right. D.C. Center. I mean, it is. It is not in. It, it, it's not really particularly accessible from anywhere, and that's why people hate it. Um, but yeah, Doc, you know, I agree with when, you. When we went there, you know, I mean, it was a lot different than going to RFK. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I will say. You could hop off the metro and walk. That's even before the metro, you could get there coming off of two ninety five into the uh, mm-hmm. over the bridge right to the stadium. Yeah, you know, you're coming from the north. But so you talked about that county. Could they tear that stadium down, or would they have enough room? And Mike, you explained to us uh, over the last year and a half, maybe two years, that uh, they would have to make a a deal with the what with the city uh, to uh, resurrect that that area for a ballpark. Well, which, RFK? Yeah, but it sits on federal land, and the lease on the federal land will expire well before a proposed lease on the stadium would, right? I think the lease on the federal land only extends for about another 10 years. You'd be looking at 25 at a minimum on a stadium, so they'd have to do something with that. Well, do they really have enough room there to have parking and build a a state-of-the-art stadium in Washington in that RFK stadium area? Yeah, they um, blew up the, DC, the old D.C. armory, so you would have, if you remember, it sat back from the actual street, and a lot of that was the armory, 
which adds a yeah. couple of acres to it. So there, there, there's – it is the single – and there was some additional land that wasn't – surrounding the stadium that wasn't used. It's the single biggest parcel of land in the um, – Within the borders of the city, it could easily be used for a stadium. Would the parking be maybe as expansive as it was at RFK? Maybe not, but I don't think that would be as much of an issue. You know, um, it, 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 it's, the parking in the, for a city tail, game like that is strictly for tailgating. They could make it work, and it, it would be the preferred location. I know it's everybody's preferred location. But I just, like I said, I, I think they got to get that worked out. When you were talking about the blackout 25 years ago, think of the difference in the state of the team 25 years ago as opposed to now. 25 years ago, this was a team that had recently won a couple of Super Bowls, right, and had been right. good. You know, now you're talking about a team whose last uh, world championship was almost 30 years ago. Right, the, the, the people who are around here now, the locals, the younger generation, they didn't go up with a good Redskins team. They didn't grow up with one. They're not used to them. You're talking about a team, I think, for the last 25 years that's made it to the playoffs maybe three or four times. So it's not exactly a successful franchise. It's, it, they, used to have, they used to brag about the waiting list for season tickets, that it was three years long. Now they're just begging to get people in. And half the time, if you go and look at a game, you know, by the end of the season, the stadium out there is maybe 40% full, and of that 40%, 90% of them are probably opposing fans. That's right. Roger? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Mike? Uh, at uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and at the Georgia Dome before, well, most mm-hmm. of the parking is, is in a garage, a big garage. Mm-hmm. So – that would eliminate or that would help the situation if they were to build the old site of RFK. But I wanted to, to, uh, to, to, and you're probably aware of this. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Alexandria that I worked with for years. And he was telling, you know, Anova bought the old uh, Exxon mobile uh, headquarters complex, Gallows Road. And, and mm-hmm. they are going to build four buildings, additional buildings, I understand, on that property. So it just mm-hmm. shows you how, uh, saturated uh, Northern Virginia is getting, and where a, a huge hospital has to add on four more big buildings. Yeah, there, it, what, but what you would have to get, I mean, and when I think about Virginia, where they would need to put it, you're almost get down into like the Dale City type area where you're you're probably uh, 30, 40 miles south, it almost to the point in between Washington and Richmond. Yeah. I don't think, uh, again, I'm not going to say that that's their preferred location. I don't think that they want to do that. I think that the possibility of Virginia really actually coming back and being serious about, like, we would like to do this makes it easier for him to negotiate. The problem is going to be, as I have said, is getting money to build it. Don Snyder, now, especially now, with this 400, additional $450 million in financing, is not going to have the money to put up to build the stadium. And I think the NFL stadium fund is only like $500 million, which will cover maybe a third or a quarter of the proposed stadium that he's, maybe even less than that of the stadium that they would want to build. 
I don't know where he's going to get the money unless he partners with somebody, um, gives up some equity in the team, so resells a minority share of the team and partners with somebody who's going to be willing to put up that sort of money. And Roger, I think like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you probably know better than I, uh, the Chargers and, and uh, the Rams now play in a stadium that's built uh, $2 billion. I believe that's what the figure yeah, was. Maybe so, it's over $2 billion. Yeah, I think you're, um, right, Roger, I think, think you're a little low so, on that, Don. I think you're way low on that. I think, Don, you're way low on that. I think it was actually closer to six. Well, six billion? I mean, it's a big. Yeah. I mean, it's a big. I think the final but, price on that when he got done was six billion dollars. But he's he's loaded, okay? Yeah. And uh, that's Walmart money right there. Stan Kroenke, right? He he owns yeah. the stadium, and the Chargers rent from him, okay? Mm-hmm. And. You know, so that, those are just like Giant Stadium. That's owned by the uh, Stadium Authority of, uh, of the right. Port Authority. Okay, so you know, in New York, like L.A., you cannot have four teams and have four stadiums. I mean, it you know it used to work that way with the Jets out on Long Island at Shea by the Bay in Queens, but uh, you know that's that's all changed. But I'm with you, Mike. I think it would be very difficult because I'll tell you, people that are not familiar really and, and been around the dc area a lot well like you live there and i've been down there so much in my life the the one of the worst uh, times i ever had i left gallows road at 5 p.m and i got the wisconsin avenue rockville pike at 8 p.m on the beltway three oh, yeah, it doesn't hours surprise me. About 15 minutes right yeah yeah no and that's why it's like if they had a Monday night game, and I've oh. been down there for night games that started at like seven, fighting through rush hour traffic, and it it takes forever to get out to the old uh, FedEx Field. Now I'll tell you what, traffic going down 95 South out of the District of Columbia, going south to, through Virginia, is even worse. It starts backing up like two o'clock in the afternoon, and you may do like yeah. 15, 20 miles an hour for a yeah, while. Even that it express lane, even that express lane is not doing any good. <laughs> no, I mean that traffic going south through Virginia, 95 south through uh, Alexandria, Arlington, Fairfax County, heading down that way towards Dale City and Sherlington. That is the worst. I mean, it, it, and I just can't imagine how bad that would get if the stadium were and off of that, and they were playing a Monday night game, just what rush hour would look like. You still have fans arriving at the stadium for uh, for the game at 9 o'clock at 9 in the morning. Mike, I would say this. I would say the Washington team, the Washington football fans going to have to go to Baltimore and watch the games over there with the Ravens. Forget <laughs> about the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, they put it at one of the um, – one of the radio stations did a, you know, a typical unscientific poll about whether or not how fans would feel about the team relocating, right? And everybody was like, okay, it's going to be like 75%, or 90, 75, 80, 85%, like nobody wants the team to relocate. The results actually came out like 75% people didn't care. 
Well, Mike, we didn't get into any soccer tonight, but uh, Doug Hamilton is standing by, and I appreciate everything you said. We had a lot of conversation about the stadium, about the team, about the name. We we uh, solved no problems, but I appreciate you know your what, time, and we'll we're do it again next to. week. We'll, we'll have plenty of soccer coming care. up, Mike. Thank you. We'll have great, plenty of stuff. I'll actually be up in Philly next week when I do this, so I'll talk to you from there. Oh, great. Okay, great. 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 Good time. Safe. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Doug, our PGA professional, solidly ensconced in his new club, having everything running yeah. smoothly as silk. Uh, what do you think? Well, um, I try not to think. I mean, <laughs> Frank and I had a wonderful conversation uh, prior to him patching me in, and, and um, my staff will be in place April 1. Um, I was very fortunate to acquire – um, you know, basically four other individuals that are going to help me, um, you know, get this off the ground. And, and, um, you know, I would say this is the first time in a very long time that I, I, I have absolutely surrounded myself with, uh, very talented people, um, a diverse group of, um, knowledge, experience, age, um, you know, but, but, all geared towards one common goal, you know, and gosh, we've all been on good teams. We've all been on bad teams. And, um, I've, I have assembled a very good team that I'm very excited about. Um, you know, I know that we're going to, uh, provide this membership, something that they haven't seen before, um, in terms of the membership experience, the customer service, um, technology, um, lessons, club fittings, merchandising, um, I am really excited about where this is headed. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, the great Jim Volvano in his speech had said something to the effect of, you know, you should bring yourself to emotions, you know, every day. Um, you know, you should laugh, you should cry, um, you should think, you should do these things. And, you know, it, it, it really does um, trigger something to understand that this is something that I'm building. Um, and, and for everybody who's ever had an opportunity to, um, not only start again, um, which is which is obviously where I am, but but to build this brick by brick, um, it's incredibly empowering. It's it's, it's incredibly emotional for me uh, to know that I have a group of individuals that are, um, you know, fighting for the same vision and goal that uh, that is for the membership. Um, it's it's this is this is big for me. This is really big. Right, the days short, aren't they? Well, I mean, you know, as I told Frank, I mean, from the time my feet hit the floor in the morning until, you know, I go to bed, um, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly talking about uh, products we want to bring in, vendors, credit apps, um, you know, initiatives, standard operating procedures, um, you know, things that can somehow, um, you know, make this process simpler. Um, I mean, Candace has been wonderful with uh, the business aspect of this in terms of, you know, creating a system of purchase orders that we can order and receive things. Um, you know, there's, there are just so many things that if you've, it's, it's really super easy to walk into a, a turnkey kind of live in, move in ready uh, scenario. And that's certainly not what I, what I adopted here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I've surrounded myself with some incredibly smart and, 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 and good people. And, and also, you know, I have to tell you, you know, you guys wouldn't understand maybe, 
how difficult it is to actually start your own business and, and form an LLC. Um, unfortunately, the state of Maryland, as much as they promote you know small business and growth, um, it, it's not as easy as you would think to just make an application to say, hey, I want to start a business. Um, you know, and oh, by the way, you know, um, you know, to go through the funding process because after we do all this stuff, somebody has to pay for the bills. Um, you know, I can't say enough about, um, you know, how much my family, my parents, mom and dad, I know you're listening. Um, you know, they, they have, you know, given me an olive branch in terms of funding to, to make sure that I can pay my bills and get this thing off the ground. Um, it's just been overwhelming with the support that I've gotten from, you know, everybody that's, that said, Hey, look, man, we, we want you to be successful. We're not going to let you down. And we, we support you. That's that's incredibly important, you know. So, Doug, let me ask you a little bit about the course itself. Uh, let's go from the from the longest seas to the shortest seas. What's the measurements? That, what, what do you have there? What are you working with? Well, gosh, you know, um, in, in, in from all the, the blues in, from the blues in. Yep. Well, let me, let me tell you this. I, I have played the course um, in my lifetime, probably close to a half a dozen times. Um, um, I've been there two and a half weeks, and I have not but stepped foot on the golf course yet because I just I can't, um, with, with all the, uh, the items that I've had to really try to put in place, I, I, golf isn't even something I've thought about. I've hit golf balls twice since I've been there, which uh, the practice facilities are great. They have some indoor areas that you can hit golf balls from that are heated. Um, um, but I can tell you the golf course itself is an absolute monster. Um, this golf course was built in 1927 by Alistair Strong. Um, it is from the back tees. I think it stretches to like 7,300 yards. Um, what I can tell you is it, it has not been redesigned or redeveloped since 1927. Now I want you to think about that for a second because at 7,300 yards from the back tees, we were hitting persimmon woods, and you can think about the technology as it's changed over the years. I don't know how in the world individuals got that golf ball around from 7,300 yards back in the 1920s. Um, currently, uh, the scorecard as it looks, which I certainly have to take a look at, but there's, um, there's, a, there's a back set of tees, which is gold. There's a, there's a blue set of tees. There's a white set of tees, which is the forward tee. There's a senior slash lady set of tees, which is green, and there's a lady set, which is red. So that's five tee boxes. In addition, they have combination sets of tees. I think there's about eight different sets um, that people can play from that stretch from 58 to 7,300 yards. Uh, so um, the, the greens um, are when the grass gets going, which is bent grass, 007 on the greens, um, very fast. Postage stamp size, um, a lot of undulation. Um, it's it's a true test. I mean, I would tell you um, that in the state of Maryland, if you can tell me that there's two golf courses that are actually better than the one that I'm currently on, I would be shocked. Wow. Huh. Great. Gentlemen, good That's evening. great. Sorry for the late start, guys. Yeah, so good. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Talking? How you doing? Good. I just moved into the house. I told Frank I'd try to get on much of that toward the later end of the show, but 
What a day, guys. But, but mm. you're 100% right about your own business. I mean, you're backing your parents right there, which is God bless them. Mm. And that, that's, that's your only backing. They they believe in what you do. You believe in yeah. what yourself what you do. We all believe what you can do. And look what you're <laughs> going to do. Congratulations well, about I, I'll tell you this. Um, there's really nothing better uh, than having your mom and dad in your life and having them support you and believe in you. They're always going to love you no matter what you do. Um, but to um, to have them make some offerings that they've made to me um, in the last couple of years has absolutely changed my life. Um, you know, it's it's been really, really wonderful. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you know, guess what? You know, there's there's a different relationship between you and your parents. But when you get older, um, you know, it becomes more of a friendship. And um, my mom and dad are just absolutely a salt of the earth, wonderful people who would do anything for anybody. Um, you know, they've supported me and they love me. And um, there's no greater feeling on, on, on planet earth than, than having that backing. So, um, you know, I, I fully intend on making them proud. Um, you know, in addition to this opportunity that I've gotten, which is a second chance, um, you know, making the most of it. So I'm really excited about it. Roger. Roger. Doug, you have to watch. Uh, Tommy's probably sucking in trying to get free freebie up there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I mean, you know, when I, uh, I couldn't you know, even tell it was Tommy. I couldn't understand what he was saying. I know. <laughs> 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 well, listen, Frank, Frank, I would tell you wholeheartedly that if for some reason uh, anybody that's on this show named Don or Tommy or anybody else was ever in uh, the Baltimore area, you know, certainly I, I would I would absolutely love to, um, you know, meet them face to face and um, and have them play the golf course. It would be phenomenal. It would be great. That would be a oh, treat. Wow. Well, when I get on my grandson's house, he lives, I told you many times, he lives in Baltimore. In fact, he's looking right uh-huh. now for a new house. Yeah. He and his wife sold the houses they had, and they're looking for one. And uh, so I know I'll be down there to visit him as soon as he picked out a house. And we'll uh, let's hope the weather will be nice and we'll get a chance to stay for ourselves. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Don, you're up against it because, um, you know, Frank and I met face-to-face. What a wonderful man. Um, we, we had breakfast at IHOP, and I, I got to tell you, Tommy, this is this is uh, not up your alley, but Frank paid the check. Yeah. Well, we expect that. That's never a problem. It's not, we don't worry about Frank paying anything. <laughs> tell me what happened. I mean, we worry about yeah, Tommy paying. <laughs> Roger, plenty of place for Doug and Roger. Plenty of place to stay at the house now. So, right. So I just moved in today from ten o'clock to right now. Just finishing up. Mm. Mo- moving is the worst. I mean, it's. Oh, tell me I don't about ca- it. I don't care who you pay. I don't care. Uh, I mean, you 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 just find yourself putting all these things in boxes, and and, and you know you wonder why the hell you put them in the boxes, and then when you get them there. You start you start unpacking things and you wonder where the hell some of that stuff came from and you know there's no there's no there's no there's no dumpster big enough for that stuff. Right. There's that's goodwill right. Uh, up in Philly. Mm. There's green top and that's where it goes. 
Absolutely, hundred well, percent. Let's Rodney. go in another direction for a minute. Tell us a little bit about yeah. the Ravens. We talked about we talked about the Washington yeah. football team. We talked about mm-hmm. the Eagles. We talked about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We did not talk about the Ravens as yet. Well, mm-hmm. but I I'll do want to that. thank you, Doug, would... for uh, Joe Flacco. <laughs> <laughs> he came home. Well, I mean, you know, I don't really know why the Eagles signed him. He's a he's a very competent backup. Um, I think Joe Flacco has the football left in him. Um, yes, he does. You know, my solution they over, for the Washington. Uh, they overpaid. They well, overpaid. I mean, you know, backup quarterbacks are worth um, some serious money. Um, if you have to get to that point, it's 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 Roger. It's like all the. I mean, how many years do you think you've had uh, car insurance that you didn't need it, and how much money do you think you waited wasted? I mean, it's, well, it's yeah, the same concept. My point is, he, he made like a million and a half last year, and they're paying him three and a half. Okay, well, and they're also plus, 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 plus incentives, Roger. Plus incentives. Uh-huh. They're right. Mm-hmm. No, the uh, incentives would... more than three and a half. The three and a half I'm is saying, guaranteed. Yeah, but I'm saying plus incentives. Oh, plus incentives. Yeah, Don. But my point is, they also lose a uh, a pick. Okay, right. which number they five. Make... Yeah, number five. I would tell oh, you. I, uh, I, my submission for the Washington football team's name is the Washington Scandals. <laughs> um, all right, so Don, your point, um, the Ravens have been pretty quiet in the free agent market. I mean, obviously they've, um, I don't know, they're somewhere in the vicinity of about somewhere between 10 and $13 million that they have to spend under the cap. Um, certainly, they need to keep some of that money for uh, their draft pool. So they're very limited in what they can do. Um, you know, they've uh, let some guys uh, get out of town um, in terms of, of uh, Matthew Judon, which you know, again, we talked about him being um, outside of the price range of what they wanted to sign. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was another one. Um, you know, they've lost a couple ancillary players. Uh, their long snapper, Morgan Cox. Their special teams wide receiver, Chris Moore. Um, I don't know. There's a handful of, of other players that, um, you know, whatever. They were obviously a part of the team last year, but but certainly not consequential to what they want to do moving forward. Um, they, they need some serious help in terms of um, pass rush. Um, you know, the market – as the Ravens are playing it right now to let people sign different people and then see what's left. Um, you know, guys like Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, um, you know, certainly um, pass rushers like that are still available. Um, you know, they have um, a series of draft picks that they've gotten from compensatory plus the regular ones. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think they need um, a playmaking safety. I think they need some pass rush help. Um, they did sign Kevin Zeitler, uh, which kind of helps with their offensive line. I think they need a center. Um, they probably still need a little help on the defensive side of the ball in terms of a, a linebacker or two. But, I mean, they, they've always been, you know, incredibly good with the draft, with free agents, um, undrafted free agents. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. I just think they're going to spend their money a little more wisely and let the, 
the free agent market with all these people spending money kind of play itself out before they make some other moves. So, Is the former general manager still work a little bit as an advisor going into this draft, or has he separated himself? I think that this is Eric DaCosta's show. Um, I certainly think that with, you know, the COVID, um, it, it, it's been difficult to scout people and, and see different things. But you know what? They they have people probably in trees with binoculars and, and um, you know, doing different things that they're going to find their people that they want. Um, again, they've, they've always been really, really good in, in the draft. Um, I mean, obviously they picked towards the latter end of the first round and, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find their players, they'll find their Ravens. Um, and, and like I said, they'll, they'll be smart with their money moving forward, uh, when it comes to leftover free agents. Um, you know, they've never been big on trades. They've never been big on free agent splashes, um, in terms of, of signings. Um, so they'll, they'll find their players and they'll, they'll, they'll build their team the way that the Ravens always do. Um, you know, I think that, if it didn't get any better than it is now, okay, well, they lost, you know, some talent. They'll have to ask some other people to step up and put people in place to do that. That's what they always Roger. do. Yeah, the, uh, well, they, they've done that for many years and been very successful, Doug. And, uh, yep. listen, we were talking some baseball. Uh, are the mm-hmm. Orioles improved this year, in your opinion? You know, they're, they're still several years away, I think, from actually making some version of a playoff run or, or, you know, competitive motion forward. Um, you know, I think they've they've acquired a, a couple of your old uh, mates from Philly and, and Mikhail Franco and, and Freddie Galvis. Um, you know, they're, they're still in that process of, of in-betweenness, if you will. Um, you know, they, they have some core players. They have some uh, good prospects. Um, they're trying to bridge the gap with guys like that, like, you know, Franco and, and Galvis and some other players that, you know, are just going to be kind of innings eaters and, and players that can kind of do the thing, you know, do their thing now. Um, How about Rush Wayne? You think, you'll, uh, you think you'll get a shot at the beginning or think you'll have to go back down and come up again? No, I, I think they're going to be a little bit um, conservative, if you will, with some of their um, prospects in, in Adley Rushman and, um, you know, some of their pitching staff, D.L. Hall and uh, Grayson Rodriguez and, and guys like that that can obviously um, contribute at some point. But I just – I don't think I don't think it's going to be this year. I think they're going to get a, a look at some of their players. Um, you know, they, they had some success last year with, with Dean Kramer and, and some others that um, – that played particularly well. Um, Keegan Aiken was one. Um, you know, I think it's nice to have Trey Mancini back. Um, you know, I think that once they shed themselves, if you will, from the Chris Davis contract, I think they'll have some more ability to, to move uh, freely, if you will, monetarily. Um, you know, but, you know, uh, Ruiz and Severino and um, Austin Hayes, um I, I love Anthony Santander. Um, guys like that are, are going to continue to get some experience at the major league level. And, um, you know, I think they're probably, you know, guess what? I mean, if they have a couple more really good drafts and they have some money available and, and they start spending some money in the free agency, I mean, I think they're probably two or three years away from really being competitive. But it's still going to be fun to watch. Uh, we love baseball here in Baltimore. I love baseball. Um 
you know, I, I think that um, every Oriole fan should start the season with a, a fresh new baseball cap, which I bought my dad one uh, recently uh, to start the season. Um, so it, it's it's always exciting. I mean, you know, in the air is spring, and when spring comes, you, you think about uh, the possibilities. And even though, you know, you're, you're, you're certainly not able to compete at that level, I think you're still excited about it. I mean, opening day is still a significant thing here in Baltimore. Hang on, hang on, guys. Uh, Frank just gave me the tick, tick, tock sign. So mm. after this wonderful conversation, Doug. But thank you mm-hmm. for coming on. Now Sorry, guys. Tommy. I was late. There's Tommy. Who said he wasn't here? There's Tommy. <laughs> all day moving from ten o'clock in the morning. This now. Tommy, <laughs> okay, Frank, does a great job. Thank it, you very, just, very much. And uh, Doug always continues success with the new club. Thank you. Yes. My pleasure. Thank you, Don. Absolutely. Tommy, where's your Roger. new residence? It's, where uh, is it? It's 1321 Coronado Drive in Spring Hill, Florida. Okay, you'll have to uh, send that to me. So, okay, God bless you. Know, Congratulations, Frank, the master you. that the controls are captain. God bless. <laughs> well, well, Frank, thank you for again for another great show behind the scenes up there and that. And, I like to thank all our guests for coming on. Sorry, fans, I was a little late because from 10 o'clock this morning to just now, I had to finish cleaning, moving a house, one house to the other house, and clean the other house up. So, Frank, great job as always. From your family to my family, God bless. And, and fans, when you're, on the, when you're on the highways, be careful. This is a crazy time of year, especially down here in Florida. Don't drink and drive. Fasten your seatbelt when you're out in the public. Remember to wear that mask. It's six feet away. Frank, from my family to your family, God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation of the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and see somebody in uniform, please acknowledge him. These are very, very tough times for men and women in uniform. These programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrol David Curtis, Patrol Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Banger, Patrol Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler. Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Anafo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al, Al Hogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrol Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrol Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township PA, Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. <clears throat> Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FTLE Special Inspector, Vinny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper, Corporal Stephen Ballard. Kissimmee Patrol Officer, Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant, Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highlands County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy... April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department. Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Sergeant Brian Levate, uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. 
Deputy Mike Malik, uh, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you, may the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hand. Good night. God bless and have a great week.